dangerous rhetoric. It wasn't recording. Uh, yeah. Oopsies. Hey, everybody. It's Brentley. Welcome back to another episode of Dangerous Rhetoric. And I'm Dan. <laughs> I want to just start I off. I love how you're so used to starting off your videos. Sorry. <laughs> it's Brentley. I wanted to share this little commercial because I thought it was kind of creepy and interesting and weird. But I came across it on the Twitterverse. But here you are. We have a woman in red dress advertising for the 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 jab and it I'm says and don't let the vaccine become a luxury wow <laughs> let's make the vaccine accessible for everyone not just the rich yeah there's a lot UNICEF. there's a lot to unpack there unpack some of that brent <laughs> well so what first struck me is like the woman in the red dress like yeah. in the matrix yes. like and you know red is very eye-catching mm-hmm. And she's doing a lot of this, like, sort of, like, sexual, sort of suggestive, sort of, like, licking her lips. What is uh, the woman in the red dress symbolize, though? Well, the woman, well, it's, you know, for sexuality, your sex drive, your... Yeah, but I mean, like, in an esoteric sense, she typically is a symbol symbol of, like, a distraction, right? You know, it's, it's something in the matrix being thrown in your path to sort of divert your attention away yes it's yeah. like hey look at this sexy lady yeah. she's gonna sweep you off your feet and stuff but actually she's gonna keep you from doing well, it what does morpheus work. say he's like were you paying attention to me or were you looking at the woman in the red dress i was yeah. look again you never so, know man well yeah so that's that's that struck me yeah. um and then she's doing all this like tongue stuff and, and smiling now i'm now i'm kind of looking at the bottle as sort Rubbing. of equivalent to the gun in the matrix <laughs> It's like yeah. you look at the woman in the red dress, you turn away, you look back, and it's like the COVID bottle is now a, a gun. Yeah, she's so also like back. stroking it here. Yeah, it's I, weird. It's weird. It's very it's strange. It's very odd. It's very strange. There's this And like whole, her hat too sort of is giving me almost like a very phallic sort of representation. There's definitely this sort of like symbolic, almost like religious um, pedestal worship of the jab i'm not gonna i almost said the word again of the jab i I think it's fine you say yeah it's it's um it's like almost this sort of like holy water (laughs) to these people yeah it's like a sacrament it's so weird it's a sacrament it's like a sacrament yeah to demonstrate that you you actually can you you show concern for your fellow person because it's not about you daniel it's about everyone else about me i have to put this experimental concoction Uh, in me uh, to protect uh, everyone else uh, yes even though I'm totally fine and healthy and I'm not spreading anything to anyone because I'm fine and healthy and not sick, but still I should, you know, inject myself with this experimental concoction. That sounds like a great idea, even though everything's been fine. So, so I thought this was also interesting. Like they're marketing it as let's make it yeah. available for everyone, not just the rich, as if the rich were like sort of flocking. Yeah. To well, that was, that was one of the other things I'm like to unpack you know there's this sort of uh then they want to give it to every child yeah well there's this um illusion they're trying to create that there's a shortage of them or that that the shots are in such high demand that people just just can't get them when i don't know i've been seeing i've been seeing stories coming out in certain places where people aren't getting them enough and they're having trouble getting enough people to come back for the for the second shot for example they found a lot of people don't come back for the second shot so they're trying to find all these ways to quote unquote reduce hesitancy right yeah they're well that's what sky said that it was like the she says that if the media is showing how much rich people want vax and poor people are having trouble getting it 
then it must yeah. be a valuable thing. It's psychological, but really what I'm saying is like, wow, you guys want to sterilize the poor. That's what, look, that's what I think. I don't know if that's true, YouTube. I'm just saying that's my opinion. All right, and this video <laughs> is pulled. That would be a strike. That's strike, a strike. Strike. Look, talk to your doctors, guys. Right, I'm safe if I say that, right? Yeah, I don't think that'll. I don't think it works like that. That doesn't work. I don't think it. I think you. I think you have to say it first, and then I don't know how it works. Talk to your doctors, guys. Talk to your doctors. Yeah. Talk to your doctors. That saves Tim. We're just a couple of jokesters on the internet. You shouldn't be taking medical advice from us anyway. Whatever. I mean, they're already targeting us like crazy. We don't have a freaking following yet, and they just want to make sure we don't get one. Do you want to? Do you want to talk about that, Daniel? What about the censorship? It sounds like you have some feelings on there, Daniel. Yeah, I mean, we can definitely go over that a bit because i think it's important to cover it well, why um, don't you go over it a little sure. bit so recently um a couple days ago we realized that we couldn't tag certain people anymore on instagram um specifically max public house that is so loud brent <laughs> that was so loud so specifically max public house who we just did an interview with in our last episode which you should go watch go watch that um so I was posting something and trying to tag Max, and I realized I couldn't. Instagram was like, oh, you can't tag this person. So I'm like, okay, that's weird. I tried to tag them in the in the caption. That didn't work. In a comment, that didn't work. Okay, well, I'm like, that's weird. So I post whatever. And then I go and I think it was, uh, it was on your page. We're posting from your page. And then we tried to tag Dangerous Rhetoric. And then we realized from Brent's page we could not tag the Dangerous Rhetoric page from Brent's page, when the two accounts are linked together, much like my account is also linked to the DR page. Um, the point is here that it says, oh, go check your settings, make sure it's selected that everyone can mention you because, you know, that's what this is. So we go and we check and in the settings it says everyone, right? I go into my settings, it says everyone. We check it, we try again, it doesn't work. So I put a, I put a message out there, I post a video and I kind of did a general kind of sample right a survey and I had a few people come back to me three people got back to me and confirmed they could tag the dr page but it was easily over 10 to maybe a dozen people who responded that they could not tag the dangerous regret page so it's really frustrating it's it's very obvious shadow banning <clears throat> and on a platform like that it makes it incredibly difficult to grow your audience and to spread the information that you're trying to spread because if people can't tag you like share things and tag you it makes it much harder to to like say have their audience go to your page and then see you and then follow you it's one of the biggest ways you get new followers right i do it all the time when i like people and i and i like what they're doing or what they're saying and i want to bring attention to it I post something from them and I and I always tag them to make sure other people can get to their page directly and find them. Uh, clearly, you know, whoever runs these platforms and has us on a list does not want other people to find us. They want to make it very difficult. Um, and yeah, it's, it's frustrating, you know. It's it's something new too. It's I've never I've never witnessed this one. I've seen comments disappear, you know, we've seen likes disappear. We've had people like forcibly unfollowed from our channel and they had to follow us back like those things but this is the first time the tagging thing has been an issue and it goes into another subject we could talk about uh facebook's recent notice that they started sending people oh yeah yeah you want to pull something up about that sure so apparently facebook has been sending this notice out to users i don't know how many users have received this but basically saying you know 
are your friends becoming extremists or are you concerned that you've been you know exposed to extremist content right and this starts spreading around the internet i have not received this notice um i have gotten messages from people though who did so did they fact check this Snopes? Um, Snopes no, is probably this is like, from, it's not this is, this is on RT. It says it's just, you know, they're, they're presenting it as yeah. if it's true. Um, well, people are going to dismiss says Facebook RT. is testing a new prompt that asks users if they know anyone flirting with a violent ideology, also warning others they may have been exposed to, quote, extremist content. An update that may have sl- many have slammed as Orwellian. Um, yeah, so people are getting these little like warnings that say you may be exposed to recent con- so extremist content recently, and then it gives you an option to quote get support. Yeah. They're, they're basically asking you to report on your friends and neighbors. And well, your, I'd be curious to know what happens if you push the get support yeah, button. Yeah, I'm curious too. James Lindsay, everyone should leave Facebook yeah. immediately. Yeah, there's some great memes about it too. Um, go to the Instagram. Let's share some of those really quick. <laughs> They had me cracking up. Um, On R.I.G.? Yeah. Always R.I.G., Brad. Always R.I.G. Um, Let's see. Let's scroll down a little bit. So this... (laughs) Yeah, this is why I tell you to always just leave the page open because I have things I'm posting here. Yeah, click that one. This one's funny. (laughs) I love the suspicious monkey. When you haven't gotten the you may have been exposed to harmful extremist content notice what all your friends have mm. <laughs> Ooh. and this is basically what you know the notice looks like but this was a funny one they did a like a parody of it and it says all of us may have been exposed to harmful extremist content recently and then it says violent groups such as governments political parties and media companies Ooh. try to manipulate your anger fear and disappointment if you're not angry afraid and disappointed they will try very hard to make you feel that way you can take action now to protect yourself and others be skeptical of anyone who tells you who to fear and hate respect everyone's rights including your own and resist any attempt to violate or diminish them get support from experts learn more about your rights and the importance of respecting the rights of others okay hilarious well, that goes a little long yeah, tooth but this one's funny though it's a good one yeah it's like the uh it's the NPC angry NPC meme and the, the chad, the chad yeah. and it's the NPC saying who radicalized you and the chad gets closer and closer and he says you did and then the next one, they just take the, the NPC and they replace them with, with Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> Who radicalized you? You did. And then, yeah, this one is like the FBI poking a little Pepe frog and being like, come on, do domestic terrorists. <laughs> but, yeah, the censorship is very real, guys. Um, we don't doubt that what's happening to us is connected to the visits we've received from the FBI and the fact that, you know, we went to D.C. Clearly, you know, we're we're on someone's radar and they don't like us talking about the things that we're talking about. What's they weird is difficult. that there are other people that have, like Elijah Schaefer has, you know, he's got his show. Yeah. And, well, he's on Blaze TV, so he's sort of associated with like a large organization whereas we're like independent. Once you have an audience, though, it's, it's easier to get the word out. Yeah. We don't, so... Well, we have, we do. We have, we have, we have a small audience. one. Yes. We have a small little audience. Clearly, we, we're... And we're thankful for each and every We listener. are, we are. And, but we the thing is... all of you. Clearly, clearly, it's much easier to silence someone or to just get rid of them when the audience is smaller, right? And I think it's, it's easier to nip something in the bud before it blooms than it is to say, right? 
grasp the thorns of the flower and try to remove it. It's already in full bloom. The point is they, they don't want us to bloom. <laughs> they want to make it incredibly difficult for people like us to join this right conversation. Yeah. Established channels, yeah, they're, they're censoring them, obviously. But once you already have a following, it's, it's much easier to get the word out or to redirect people elsewhere. But when you don't really have that much people already paying attention to you and they start shadow banning you and all this stuff, it's just, it starts to feel like you're, you're screaming into a void, man. And it's, it's frustrating and I think it's meant to be that, right? It's supposed to be psychologically exhausting. They want to, they want to frustrate us to the point where we give up. Maybe you shouldn't be so frustrated. No, I mean, obviously we're not giving up. I wouldn't be sitting here talking if, uh, if they were winning on, on that front. But yeah, I'm not going to lie and pretend that it's not annoying. It is. You know, you put these efforts out. You're trying to spread the information. And it is frustrating when that you know it's being covered and you know they're preventing people you know from seeing it. They don't want them to. And it's just like, you're, how do you get around that? You know, you change the hashtags maybe, mess with the algorithm. Maybe you stop posting for a few days. Maybe you start posting cats or something to, to you know, confuse it. I don't know, you know, my friends and I have discussed options and, and tactics and ways that you can get around this and obviously we, we try to direct people off of these platforms sometimes onto our website to see the content we can't post on them, but that's hard. It's hard to get people on a bigger platform, for example, to click off of it somewhere else. And if you're being silenced on the major platforms, it's really hard to compete in the market. It's hard to grow an audience. It's it's hard. Because it's not an open market. <clears throat> it's not. No, they dominate. It's a the, it's the a sphere. tilted market. Yeah. It's yeah, it's they they have a monopoly on the public square and it's why it's such a big conversation in the country right now. Yeah, well then this is also it's it's not capitalism too. It's like literally fascism. It's yeah. the combination of corporate and political will. Yeah, alliance. And yeah. corporate and political power. Yep such that they are aligned and they exclude anybody that, that doesn't belong to the party that doesn't fit in yeah i think uh let me see keep going i want to pull up this this tweet um that brett weinstein said uh he was talking to robert malone and they were be trying careful because you know we're not allowed to say certain we're not allowed to talk on about youtube yeah especially from those two gentlemen yeah Damn it. Well, let me let me read it anyway, because <clears throat> they were trying to come up with a term for what's happening, right? So Robert Malone tweeted, he's July second. He said, <clears throat> "We need a new word for what is going on regarding the censorship and integration between government, big tech, and pharma. One example might be techno fascism. Please teach me better words for this. What do you call it?" That was what he tweeted, and then uh, Brett Weinstein responded to him, and he said. Surgical totalitarianism. I love that one. He says, unlike the historical analogs, the new totalitarians leave most people unmolested and unaware. Heavy-handed control is exerted in a narrowly focused way on independent voices. Without independent leaders, the rest are kept in check by simple conformity. Ooh. Yeah. That kind of describes what we're seeing. Yes, it is what we're seeing. Wow. Love new words and phrases. Yeah, surgical totalitarianism. But I don't know, techno-fascism is pretty good, too. It's yeah, I think that's one. all good stuff. <clears throat> They're both good terms. But yeah, trying to come up with a term for this this new thing that we're experiencing. All right, we can move on from this. I ranted enough about it. Okay, so yeah. this just happened. You know, it's, so today's July 5th, so happy, you know, July 5th. Yeah, happy Independence Day celebrated. to American friends. Um, we both had the presidents uh, had little rallies, <clears throat> but what was interesting recently... Really? 
is that Biden's rally had around 30 people show up <laughs> uh, in Michigan. And in Florida, Trump had somewhere around 45,000 crammed into uh, some county fairgrounds or something. Remember, folks, 81 million votes. So the most votes votes in history. So this is the five-second clip. This is for Biden. This is for Biden. Where is this? This is in Michigan. Michigan, okay. So you can see, here's a, you know, it's a, there, it's not even like two people thick, and it doesn't go on for very long. Well, it looks like the but is this the actual place where the rally is taking place, though? Because it looks like he's arriving. So. No, and but this was like the people that were gathered to sort of like see him show up, and then meanwhile, I'm like, leaving room here for Biden, is what I mean. You know, I'll give the benefit of the doubt that there are people who support him, obviously. Meanwhile, but, in Florida, yeah, when you compare the two, man, but. Again, you know, Florida is a more right, a red state, though, so I am going to give Biden some leeway well, there. Michigan supposedly went to him. But this... Supposedly. Yeah. Look, according to official yeah. results... Things we can't say on YouTube. Which we're not right? allowed to contest yes, here because contest. the party is all-knowing. The party is all-seeing. Yes. Obey the party. Obey the party. Remember, guys. Obey YouTube. 81 million votes. Most votes in history. More than Donald Joe Trump. Joe Biden is our president. Do not more, more than Barack Obama, if you believe that, too. So but many more. Most popular president in history. In fact, apparently, it's, it's probably likely that people were voting for Barack just because you know uh, Biden was on the ticket. What's crazy is I don't even know. Yeah, I, I've said that too. That he basically got it because of his street cred with Obama. But I don't really know anyone who like likes Biden to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anyone who's posted anything in, in admiration of him. And I've seen a few, but. Wait, shut up. I want to hear this clip where he says, why am I doing this? Wait, who is this? <laughs> this is Biden. Oh. <laughs> what am I doing? What am I doing? <laughs> that kind of sums in my head. I think he's just trying to be funny. Right? Uh, I know, but it's yeah. just funny. What am I doing? What am I doing here? And then there's also like right. been this like recent obsession with... Um, it's just weird. With, like, with people, people showing him eating ice cream. I don't the media it. is super big on people, showing him. People found story. Trump so embarrassing, and I'm not gonna lie, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say there aren't things about Trump that were embarrassing, but my God, people, this is it's it's an embarrassment beyond what I can even think of. It's an insult to the country. It's like I'm not even nationalistic or patriotic, and I feel like my Americanness insulted. By Joe Biden. <laughs> so um, and this weird. was a really tragic story that I just heard about. Um, these were p guests. So these people were like in quarantine, you know, in a hotel in Taiwan. And they there was a fire. And they didn't leave because they were in quarantine and they died. Wow. Yeah. So imagine, Jesus. like, you know, there being a fire in your hotel, but you didn't know if you could leave or not. Um and they my friends if the government tells you to stay in your home and your home is on fire, fire like even it's just crazy <laughs> leave your home please get out if there's a fire get out you can take whatever consequences the government gives you it's but when you're dead you're dead so yeah it was just it's just absolutely insane uh, and then I also kind of wanted to talk a bit about... Oh, this Ju again? Well, let's do Julian. Oh, I thought you were going to go into the... No, I want to do Julian first because I feel like he's more important. He is more important. Actually, this is arguably the most important story right now. And it's insane that it's not it's not getting the mainstream media coverage. I no shouldn't press. say it's insane, actually. It's not shocking press. that it's not getting Very press. Very little press. Insane. Very little mention of Julian Assange. Yeah. 
um, in the mainstream press. This article comes from Student. Uh, it's a uh, Icelandic uh, publication because the witness that was found to have lied in his indictment or in his testimony against Julian Assange was, is Icelandic. And this is the guy right here. Um, he looks young. Uh, yeah, I forget his name. Uh, it's in here. But anyway, the witness who has a documented history with sociopathy and has received several convictions for uh, abusing small children in a very not cool way. Wow. Uh, Wide-ranging financial fraud made the admission in a newly published interview in Student where he also confessed to having continued his crime spree whilst working for the Justice Department and FBI and receiving the promise of immunity from prosecution. The man in question, uh, that's his name. Gotta love the Department of Justice and the FBI keeping us Sigur, safe. Sigurdur Ingi Thordarson? Sigurdur <laughs> Ingi Thordarson. Yeah, okay, well, he's Icelandic. Yeah, was recruited that's... by U.S. authorities to build a case against Assange after misleading them to believe he was previously a close associate. He had, in fact, volunteered on a limited basis, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, basically, this guy's a sociopath and a child molester. And he has admitted to have lying in his, you know, working with the, with the U.S. Uh, the U.S. authorities. You don't say, Brent. And Julian Assange is still locked up. Really? This guy is free, by the way. This oh, guy he's is free. You free, don't say. Free as a bird. Was never prosecuted for any crime, um, or not not prosecuted any crime ever since. He got immunity with working with his in his little deal to you know and and you can we can let the the educated and intelligent listener you know draw their own conclusions about you know him being proffered immunity for testimony which is clear which which now he admits was fabricated entirely um and the fact that you you know kind of like person a and person b and and you know these folks in the fbi documents about the, the capitol hmm yeah, well, and, so, and, and that story is also still not really getting any traction yeah. in the media. Yeah, they're trying to act like it's not real. There was uh, an 18-minute, I don't have it up right now, but um, an 18-minute plea from, uh, I believe it was a congressman from Texas, who basically was like, you know, he clearly had read the Revolver article and was like, we need to find out what's going on here. Um and we need to get to the bottom of this. And that was the last I saw of any sort of like real like public motion on the story. But there's there's still not a whole lot coming out. You know, Julian Assange is really not allowed to trend on Twitter. Uh, when this story broke, I didn't really see anything like in the trending section. There was really nothing the coming of him. Um, so I don't know what we're, uh, what, what's going to happen with Mr. Assange. He just had, I think his birthday was on July 3rd, so he just had a 50, I think it was his 50th birthday. Happy birthday, Julian. Happy birthday, Julian. Yeah, thanks Hopefully for uh, your heroism. Home with his family soon. He's got two small children and a wife waiting for him. Um, and he's basically just still locked up for no reason. I mean, the, the, the original reason was, you know, some fabricated... Uh, not even rape charges. Like the charges were basically like something like surprise sex. Is basically, and we don't even have an al- analogous law for this. I in the recall United States. when that story broke. Yeah. So basically, like they the the alleged thing was that they had sex, a condom broke, and he didn't uh, he didn't have like an STD test on file. So they arrested him to get like an STD test. And it was just crazy. Like, Long story short, it, it's character assassination. Yeah, that, that's, that's all what nonsense. It is. 
And then it was also shown that the one of the women who was associated with pushing the story, there were two women that were associated, but it was basically she was a previous CIA informant. She worked with the CIA in something in, in like another country at a previous time. So like all the de all these details have been chronicled or and are available in the public for anybody who really wants to go back and dig. I've even done them on the It's Brentley channel. I've done a bunch of videos about Julian and, and why everything about him is a lie. <laughs> yeah. um, and there's a really good article by Caitlin Johnstone where she go. it's called Caitlin Johnstone debunking all the Assange smears so you can look that up and, and for any time anyone has ever said anything negative about him from the lie that he was smearing feces on the wall in the embassy to the lie that he had endangered uh, the lives of American service people with any of the WikiLeaks yeah. releases. Which that's not true. There's no evidence. For not him. true. The Justice Department itself had reviewed yeah. the evidence and, and concluded yeah. that there was never anybody who was harmed. Not by a any shred WikiLeaks of evidence release. of anyone getting hurt because yeah, of you'll the still, information. You'll he hear released. these lies constantly repeated by ignorant people or you know malignant bots who are you know intentionally probably bots, but. Dumb people too, and yeah, well, yeah. both exist. So, um, yeah. but yeah, that was those major update, and you know, Edward Snowden tweeted that this should be the end of the Assange case, but that didn't, uh, you know, still we, we haven't really noticed. Was it him who tweeted that, or was it? Um, it was. It I thought was, it was Green. It was Greenwald or one of them. One of them responded to the other. I think Greenwald responded to Snowden. I think Greenwald. Well, I think I think Snowden tweeted something like. It should be the end of the Assange. This is the end of the Assange case, and then Greenwald retweeted him and said it should, should be. be. Yeah, but you know, implying that they lie a lot and they don't. Of course they do. I'm surprised Greenwald's even still uh, on Twitter. Jones is tweeting again. It's trending again. It's so funny when he trends. Um, but anyway, that's that was the big development in the uh, Julian Assange case. So um, I encourage everybody to you know, maybe share that student article to your social media. Yeah. If you feel you know, especially also, inspired, you can contact your representative uh, in Congress or in the Senate and let them know how you feel about Julian Assange. That's always a, a thing to do. It's very helpful. Uh, I also wanted to remind people or tell them if they didn't know, uh, Tim Dillon, the comedian Tim Dillon, who has a great podcast, which we love, just did a recent uh, interview and talk with Glenn Greenwald in which they talked about some of this stuff going on with Assange, among other really interesting things. We highly recommend it. We listened to it the other day, and it was fascinating uh, and funny because Tim Dillon's hilarious. Please go watch that. It's really informative. Go watch it. Go share it. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's oh, unless we want to talk about the gay stuff, you can if you want. I mean, we you can talk about some of the backlash on your video, and then I was gonna just riff on the recent stuff with Shannon Lee and all that, and we can kind of end on that. Okay. Yeah. So this was a article that was recently published in the Washington Post that stirred up a lot of controversy as you can see why the Read title, the title is, bro. yes kink belongs at pride and i want my kids to see it so this comes from <laughs> lauren Wawelo. she is a actually autistic author lgbt author and creep um well okay i think um, she's a creep okay and um she wrote this piece where she basically argues that um you know it's not super sexualized that you know their children are curious <laughs> this, this article this paragraph uh they plop down a nearby curb and the elementary schooler 
pointed in the direction of a float, raising an eyebrow at a bare-chested man in dark sunglasses whose black suspenders clipped into a leather thong. The man paused to be spanked playfully by a partner with a flog. What are they doing, my curious kid asked as our toddler cheered them on. The pair was the first of a few dozen kingsters who danced down the street, laughing together as they twirled their whips and batons, some leading companions by leashes. At the time, my children were too young to understand the nuance of the situation. You think. Uh, but I told them the truth, that these folks were members of, the, of our community celebrating who they are and what they like to do. In bed. In bed. In bed. <laughs> stuff, stuff that you, you, you shouldn't be doing on the street. Around kids. Around kids. Common sense kind yeah. of thing, right? In, in what community? This idea that there's unity amongst us in the, in the quote-unquote LGBT community. There isn't. There isn't. If you don't align with the woke ideology, you are cast out of the club. It's just, it is. It is what it is. And this debate has been ongoing. It's been particularly heavy the last two, three years or so as more and more people feel comfortable to come out at Pride with their kinks and fetishes and but these things aren't sexuality that, that's another thing about this it's like your, your kink or whatever is that's not a sexuality first of all and like you said these are things that involve stuff that happens in the bedroom so i don't get why uh these people think it's appropriate to have your kids hanging around it she says i agree that pride should be a welcoming space for children and teens but policing how others show up doesn't protect or uplift young people instead homogenizing self-expression at pride will do more harm to our children than good when my own children caught a glimpse of kink culture they got to see that the queer community encompasses so many more non-traditional ways of being living and loving <sighs> <laughs> I don't even know what else to say about this shit anymore. And what's really weird is, you know, you did a whole video about this where we talked about why this is inappropriate, why it's actually bringing harm on the LGBT It creates community. backlash. It creates backlash. Most gay people, most lesbian people, most transgender people, most of us just want to live normal lives and be left alone. Why do we need to push this stuff onto kids? And why is it that when, when gay men like us talk about it and we say, hey, there's something wrong here, the mainstream woke LGBT culture casts us out. They, they, they don't want us talking about it. They say, oh, well, by talking about that, you're, you're making conservatives think we're all pedophiles and this and that. No, you are. <laughs> you are by not talking about it. Or by encouraging by encouraging this it by, kind of by acting like this is okay that this is appropriate that this is like somehow representative of LGBT people and it teaches diversity no it doesn't dude it's it's it freaks people out and it freaks me out and I'm, I'm not even conservative and I'm not even straight and I understand why people who are look at this and they're like yeah. throw holy water on it you know what I mean because it's it's crazy I would never want my kids walking around seeing guys have like naked getting spanked by other people or walking around like they're like they're animals on all fours and stuff like look you want to do your thing you do your kink that's fine but if these events are going to take place and include that stuff kids probably shouldn't be allowed at the events or that stuff should not be allowed at the events you can't have both and if you do have both you're going to have people like us who are going to say something about it because we're going to call you out we're going to say you're a creep and you're also going to have a whole bunch of very religious very conservative you know, right-wing you, you people 
who are going to use this as ammunition yeah. to attack yep. the wider LGBTQ community. Yes. So we get roped into it. People will associate yes. all of gay people with it. Not, not only are the kinksters and the you know the most vulnerable, it becomes uh, it, it turns everyone in the gay community, the queer community, into a target. Yeah. Um, because they begin to associate because of the the big umbrella because we're all under the umbrella together and everybody's included and everything is accepted and we tolerate everyone then we all bear the responsibility for the behavior of a few of our number you have to draw lines man there are lines there for a reason it's it's not about not being inclusive but i think kids and not having kids sexualized should be something we all agree upon whether well, you so are conservative she would, she or not she would come back like, at you and say that we are anti-kink advocates and that we're manipulating language about safety and privacy by asserting that attendees are non-consensually exposed to overt displays of sexuality she would say that our most outrageous claim is that innocent bystanders are forced to participate in kink simply by sharing the space with the kink community, as if the presence of kink at Pride is a perverse exhibition that kinksters pursue for their own gratification. Ah, but some, some of it is. is. Some of it is. There are and exhibitionists. The there are exhibitionists. There are people who get turned on by other people watching. Watching. Them. Yes. That's that's a thing. And I'm sure some of them will get turned on by kids watching them okay and this is a freaking problem this is a problem stop trying to justify it stop trying to act like it's okay we don't care if you do your kink that's your private she claims thing. she claims kinksters Leave are not out. engaged in sex acts although i don't know she's using that's a very arguable. strict definition yeah. of sex act here yeah. which i think includes penetration sure. and arousal however i think we can include any sort of paraphilia you know, and an act if it's something that you're that that's your fetish. You know, if your fetish is getting dressed up into a doggy outfit and having somebody lead you around by a leash, and that's you know uh, that can be a uh, sexual act for you, then I, I yeah. you could say kinksters at Pride are in are, fact yeah. engaged in sex acts. Well, you brought up this weird example too. You said you saw because you've been to like Folsom and these weird events way back in the day but you said you saw a guy who was chained up and he liked to be insulted yeah there was like a naked man chained to a fence with a sign hanging next to him that that was, had a bunch of insult and he was like insult me <laughs> he liked to be his and i i was asking about it because i was confused uh and you know i was explained to me that his his paraphilia his fetish was to have people humiliate him yeah. he liked to be humiliated look i don't know what psychological stuff is going on in someone where that's how they get off whatever not my business leave the freaking kids alone and then she goes to make this other argument that anti-kink <laughs> rhetoric echoes the same socialized rhetoric. disgust that people have projected onto other queer people so she's like sort of making where they claim that our love is not appropriate so like she's sort of making this argument that that kink is somehow like people's upset is 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 equivalent to people like being mad at seeing two men hold hands or kiss in public which i don't think it is i think there's a little bit of a difference between there is bdsm between puppy a play. little bit that's a huge difference holding someone's hand that's is not different. equivalent to spanking someone in public they're not the freaking same at all lady you're nuts you're a creep you're a creep. And like I was saying, there, there are people who defend this. Like you had a couple commenters on your she video. on too, like for another like, Yeah, we don't paragraphs. even need to read it. If you want to read that trash, guys, go read it. But it's kind of 
creepy. Anyway, you know, you had commenters on your video actually like, oh, well, you're just such a self-hating gay, and oh, you, why are you so obsessed with these kids? It's embarrassing, and it's just like, we're not the ones obsessed with the kids. You guys are. There's a lot of projection going on It's here. a lot of projection. Projection. You're the ones pushing this stuff on the kids. A lot of gaslighting. You're the ones who, who, who are trying to normalize this. We're just saying we're not cool with it. We're not obsessed and focused on the kids. We're obsessed and focused with the fact that you guys are obsessed and focused on the kids. And we're saying leave them alone. You guys are nuts. You're nuts. Hey, teacher. Yeah. Leave those kids alone. Yeah. Hey, teacher. Dun, dun. Well, and then kids also, alone. like, about the, you know, it's not just at Pride. It's kind of sort of everywhere. Like, this article was yeah, well, we, an insider. We, we talked about the Nickelodeon thing, too, before. It's, it's Nickelodeon, yes, this, and we just had that incident that with, like, is... the, the, pride, the Pride video from the drag queen. What was it? Nina West, I think? And right. let, me, let me clarify, too. Like, I'm not... I'm not someone who thinks that these conversations shouldn't happen with youth. That's not what I'm saying at all. I think when, you know, you get to a certain age, teenagers specifically, that's when you start to talk about these things. I don't understand why elementary school kids, why why kindergartners and stuff need to be exposed to this. I don't get it. I don't see the argument there. I don't think it's logical. I wasn't thinking about that stuff at that age, to be honest. Yeah. Um and even when I did start thinking about it, I don't, I don't think it would have been smart if someone told me very young, you should come out. I don't think that would have been smart. I think it, it would have made more sense to wait a little bit. Yeah, should I have come out earlier maybe? Would that have been better for me? I don't know. But the point is, you, I don't think it's smart to be rushing these kids into these things. And I don't think it makes sense to, to include this stuff in the curriculum so young, you know, it, it's just it comes off as weird and yeah a lot of conservatives and people are looking at it as like we're coming for the kids and you're not helping us by supporting it you're not yeah they bring up steven universe and uh she-ra as examples of cartoons that have non-binary queer lgbt characters um and yeah that show's been out for a while it's kind of weird because they sort of like they're saying that you know the creators have had to endure homophobic backlash and threats and i'm like gee you think that might like you know be indicative that you're that you're you know not exactly inspiring all rainbows and lollipops that you know like you're actually getting some negative feedback here and to just you know dismiss it all as like you know oh the threats and and hate from bigots and things it just seems a little dismissive to me they lump they lump us all together steven universe apparently had like 33 gender minority characters (laughs) I don't know. It's a, it's a popular show. I've never different. seen it. So. I remember Dragon Prince was like a little queer. There was, I think there was, yeah, it says that. Look, line. again, I don't care. Like, we can have some queer characters, whatever. It's this this fixation on it, this focus on it, this like. This drive to indoctrinate this, kids. Yes, with it. Just, just, it has to be put on the forefront Stop. now. And that's what we find so strange because it's like, look, we're a minority. Most people are straight, <laughs> most people are heterosexual. You know, how much representation do we need? You only need so much. Well, you know? critical, th- critical queer theory tells us that heterosexuality and cis heteronormativity is <laughs> very dangerous and damaging to wrong. And we should, ah, we yes. should, we should definitely, uh, you know, inspire deconstruction of the cis heteronormative paradigms and Indeed. promote, you know, radicalization of the queer, uh, <laughs> 
I don't know, like, like they're trying to make <laughs> queerness more popular. Like, they want to make all the straight it's, kids it's queer. It's so much word salad when you talk to these ideologues. It's just word salad. They spit slogans back at you. Like and Jordan then as soon as you try to, like, you know, critique them a little bit, you're a homophobe, yes. you're this, you're, you're that. Dismissed. You're a self-hating gay. Like, but the, like, the one commenter called us self-loathing, and I commented back. I was like, actually, I'm this guy's boyfriend, and we're, we're pretty happy being gay, and we're open about it. We don't really care about that. You're just creepy. Yeah, you're super creepy. Leave the kids alone. Yeah. I mean, especially, you know, just I've worked in tutoring for, you know, many years. I was a substitute Daniel teacher. Was a substitute. We both worked with children before. And this whole idea of sort of, you know, trying to indoctrinate them like or like preach our sexuality to them is incredibly disturbing and something we would never do. Um, so it's just it, and you see that it, it's been inspiring backlash. We've if you take any objective measurement. Uh, there has been an increase in anti-LGBTQ sentiment over the last five years, and it really started going up around 2015, 2016. Yeah. And they're going to try to say a lot that of that this was, critical queer gender. They're going to say, "Oh, it was Trump's fault." Yeah, well, you the can. I mean, you can blame everything on Trump if you want. Too easy. Uh, but too easy, even though a lot of a lot of the late night talk yeah. shows are still only We're making Trump sure. jokes. It also it doesn't address the complexity of these issues. It's not it's not that simple, and and it also it, it it kind of assumes that these are problems that started when Trump came in office when they're not. These are things like you said that go back before he was president. But yeah, he's gone, and they they can't stop talking about him. Yeah, well, it's just pathetic, and and also a lot of these shows are not funny anymore. As as one of the things I noticed with all of the Daily Show uh, alums. They used to be a lot more funny, uh, especially in the pre-Trump era. You know, Stephen Colbert is just so generic, so uh, DNC apologia, so corporate now. Yeah, we went back and we're watching some of their like early skits, right? From his like, performance you know. when he did the 2006 White House Correspondents Dinner uh, in front of George W. Bush, he basically called the man a war criminal to his face. It was brilliant. That was Colbert, right? It was amazing. It was Colbert. Yeah. Um, and then I watched, I ended up watching the 1997, John Stewart did the White House Correspondents Dinner with Bill Clinton. But one thing that was very interesting that I noticed is that Stewart seemed very, very nervous. He commented at the beginning that on the fact that he was very, very nervous. And he sort of alluded to the fact that it was like a risky position that he was in. And he did not make fun of Bill Clinton once. He mm. made fun of everybody else in the room. But no mention of Monica. No, maybe that, I don't know if that was 1997. Was that pre or post Monica? I think that may have been pre Monica. Might have been pre Monica. Yeah. But anyway, he didn't make fun of Bill Clinton at all, which I thought was interesting. Um, and uh, it was very funny to see a young John Stewart, you know, crack jokes. So this article's on the Hill. Right? Yeah, this is on the Hill. But you know, this is actually the is, Trump the is gone, is a, but the jokes remain. The Hill is actually a very sort of like generic left-leaning sort of alternative platform. The reason I like the Hill is because they, like uh, Daily Caller or the New York Post, they are a good standard measure of like where the left is at yeah. right now. Well, we uh, we also like to look at different social you know, media and news organizations to compare, right, to different views. So we have certain lefty people we follow, we have certain right people we follow, we have a lot of moderate people that we follow because we're more moderate. Um, it's funny, too, because they even get into this this phenomenon of clapter in here, where people, what? clapter is what clapter. they call it. This is where somebody makes a joke, and the joke is not funny, but you agree with the political point that's been made, and so you clap instead of laugh. Interesting. Mm-hmm, yes. Clapter. Yeah, because it's very strange. It's just weird. I would, they should do like some psychological studies on that. That would be interesting. 
Yeah, it's it. I don't know. It's very clapter. It's very very funny. Ian talks here. John Stewart raised eyebrows and got laughs early this month when he, you know, talked about the COVID nineteen lab origin theory, um, and he was cracking jokes about that. And it's funny because the, the the article goes through here and talks about everything that you know people are making jokes about other things that are not Trump, and they're getting laughs, but they don't seem to get it. <laughs> They don't seem to get that it's because their their Trump jokes are just not funny anymore. Um, you know, it's just kind of like boring. Clapter is the term for audience agreeing with your political yeah. point. You know, it is funny though. <laughs> the Biden jokes. <laughs> oh, and this is actually a really long. They are the Biden memes kill me. They're too good, and he's 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 a little too easy though. Like I gotta admit, he's a little too easy. Every time the man opens his mouth, there's gaff or he's messing up the teleprompter's sentences. All right, oh, do you boy. want to talk about your... Sure, all right. Um, let me pull this up. So let me riff about this. All right, so this story came across my headlines earlier this week, and I don't know, people who know me, I guess, know that I'm a big fan of Bruce Lee, a really big fan. So, But yeah, there's been controversy going on between Shannon Lee and Quentin Tarantino. This controversy actually goes back a bit um, to when his movie came out, uh, tw- the 2019 film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So Shannon Lee wrote an article in response to some recent comments that Quentin Tarantino made on Joe Rogan about her father. Uh, The headline is, does Quentin Tarantino hate Bruce Lee or does it just help sell books? Um, So it, it says, as director promotes the novelization of the 2019 film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which was criticized for a scene depicting Bruce Lee, the daughter of the martial artist responds to comments he made to Rogan, right? And I'm going to read a bit of this and kind of respond to it because I agree with a lot of what she says in here, but there's a few things that I wanted to kind of criticize Shannon for. Anyway, she says, Why does Quentin Tarantino speak like he knew Bruce Lee and hated him? It seems weird given he never met Bruce Lee, right? Not to mention that Mr. Tarantino happily dressed the bride, anyone seen Kill Bill, in a knockoff of my father's yellow jumpsuit and the crazy 88s in the Cato style masks and outfits. Which many saw as a love letter to Bruce Lee. But love letters usually address the recipient by name, and from what I could observe at the time, Mr. Tarantino tried, interestingly, to avoid saying the name Bruce Lee as much as possible back then. If only he'd take the name Bruce Lee off his lips now. Ooh, she's mad. (laughs) You can imagine by now that I am used to people only seeing one facet of my father and blowing that up into a caricature. And this is true, you know, if, if it's not something negative it's it's the overly positive where you know bruce lee is this like untouchable legend or whatever but usually people like him especially when they die young they're kind of like immortalized in this very specific way of people see them and it's very easy i think to to caricature them but um yeah she says that has been happening since shortly after he passed usually somewhere in the character is some sort of nugget of love for the man in his work not so with mr tarantino As you already know, the portrayal of Bruce Lee in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood by Mr. Tarantino, in my opinion, was inaccurate and unnecessary to say the least. And, you know, I don't know if anyone has seen the movie, but it it was not a very flattering depiction of her father. That's all I'm going to say. And, yeah. She's not blaming the actor. She says he did a great job. She says, while I'm grateful that Mr. Tarantino has so generously acknowledged to Joe Rogan that I may have my feelings about his portrayal of my father, I am also grateful for the opportunity to express this. I'm really 
effing tired of white men in Hollywood trying to tell me who Bruce Lee was. Oof. She just dropped that bomb, Brent. Well, I mean, she's mad. She's mad. Yeah. She's talking. You're talking smack about yeah. her daddy. She's going to get pissed. And this is one. This is, you know, and I agree with some of the stuff she's going to say, but this is one of the issues I think I have with the way she's wording this is this language of honing in on white men as if it's, first of all, only white men. <sighs> it's who, so trendy to blame white men. As if it's only white men who say, uh, misportray Bruce Lee or, or, you know, look at him negatively or criticize him, for example, or criticize him as a martial artist because I've seen criticisms of him from many different people online, just saying. But the point she's making is about Hollywood, so I will concede a bit. She says, I'm tired of hearing from white men in Hollywood. She's very specific there. That he was an arrogant that he was an arrogant and an asshole when they have no idea and cannot fathom what it might have been ta- what it might have taken to get work in nineteen sixties and seventies Hollywood as a Chinese man with, God forbid, an accent. Or to try to express an opinion on a set as a perceived foreigner and person of color. I'm tired of white men in Hollywood mistaking his confidence, passion, and skill for hubris, and therefore finding it necessary to marginalize him and his contributions. I'm tired of white men in Hollywood finding it too challenging to believe that Bruce Lee might have really been good at what he did and maybe even knew how to do it better than them. And I do agree with some of the things she's saying, actually most of what she's saying here. If you go back and you read about him, and I'm a fan so I'm going to recommend the book, Everyone should go check this out if you're interested in Bruce Lee. This is a biography called Bruce Lee, A Life by Matthew Polly. Really, really good book. Really thorough. But, you know, if you look back at his life, you'll see it was very difficult for him in, in the time that he was coming up in Hollywood. And, yes, he did have a lot of opportunities passed over for him just because of the accent, because he, you know, wasn't white enough. And Bruce Lee was part white, by the way. He was part European. So it, it is true, and I imagine that if you were an actor in this time period in Hollywood trying to do what he was doing, yes, your assertiveness and your confidence may easily come off as arrogance. Um, she says, I'm tired of hearing from white men in Hollywood that he wasn't really a martial artist and just did it for the movies. My father lived and breathed martial arts. This is true. Again, read the biography, which isn't by Shannon. This is pretty thorough and level-headed. He taught martial arts, wrote about martial arts, created his own martial art, innovated martial arts training, and refused to compete in martial arts tournaments because he believed combat should be real. He had no parallel as a martial artist, and I don't think it's a stretch to say he had no parallel as a martial artist on film either. And I generally agree with her here. Quiet, Ray. Stop it. I generally agree with her here, although obviously if you're doing martial arts for film, it's not really martial real martial arts per se right it's for film like you're not actually going to beat this person up because it's a movie but Bruce Lee stop you can cut this out (laughs) well now I have to now you have to voice going over what god what the fuck was I saying um anyway Bruce Lee took martial arts very seriously, and yeah, even though he was mostly just doing it for film, and it's true, he didn't compete in tournaments, um, he taught a lot of people, he did run schools, and he took martial arts probably more seriously than he took acting, and the other love that he had was dancing. 
you know, and she goes on, you know, she talks about this stuff, and I kind of just want to comment it because I do agree with what she's saying here, but I think it's important to acknowledge that although there still be, might be some of this sentiment in Hollywood today, it's not totally the same. She's saying she sees a pattern, right, of this happening still, and maybe there is. But you have to acknowledge all the strides that have been made and the fact that there is definitely way more representation of minorities in media right now. And Bruce Lee is, for the most part, worshipped by people as a legend. Tarantino is an outlier here. I don't think most white men in Hollywood hold these opinions anymore of Bruce Lee, to, to be frank. So I think it's important to acknowledge the strides that have been made, mostly because it acknowledges the work that Bruce Lee did, right? It shows that his legacy does mean something and that there there has been an impact from it. But I think she should, if she's ever going to watch this, she probably won't. She should probably be, you know, a little more weary of using this reductive language of just, you know, the white man, although she specified in Hollywood. She also says it doesn't yeah. apply to all white She things. does. She, she specifies it here, you know. Um, where's that section? I have it highlighted right here. Uh, yeah, she says, and of course, it doesn't apply to all white men in Hollywood. I've worked with, with some really wonderful collaborators and partners, but I've come across enough of them over the years, and not just in Hollywood, who want to mansplain, God, I hate that word, sorry, Shannon, Bruce Lee to me and use Bruce Lee when and how it suits them without acknowledging his humanity, his legacy, or his family in the process with a bit, um, that a bit of a pattern has emerged, she says. She's also not saying no one is allowed to have a negative opinion of Bruce Lee. I have a few. I'm saying your opinion might be colored by personal cultural bias and that there's a pattern. Just notice the pattern in all the people Mr. Tarantino cites in the case he builds against my father. Just saying. So, you know, again, I'll concede a little ground to her, and this pattern probably does still exist. Um, but ultimately, I think so much progress has been made in representation for all minority groups, not just Asian Americans. And another thing I want to address in relation to this is the fact that this blaming of the white man is ignoring the statistical reality of what's happening right now in the Asian hate crime movement, right? And the fact that the numbers are mostly... Brent? What? Mostly blaming... Well, if you look at the sheer number, yes, it's mostly African American yes. men that are causing violence against... So it's just that that point being glossed over, I think, is problematic. And I think it's important for her to acknowledge that. You can't just say, like, hey, there's this new environment now and there's all this Asian hate going on. And then only acknowledge the white man and act like there isn't racial tension or violence and racism happening between black and Asians as well. Actually, more. So that's an important point to make. If Shannon ever watches this, I hope she'll... You know, maybe look into that a little more too, because clearly there's a lot of healing that has to happen in these communities, not just between black and white and Asian and white, but Asian and black. But yeah, that's it. I just want to riff a bit about the story because I found it interesting and this controversy that's been going on between her and Tarantino. Yeah, it's an interesting bit of culture. Uh, and then we talk was... about politics so much. I'm like, let me connect it to something else. Yeah, did you guys see the Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt? What did you guys think? <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was cute, although it was a little generic. Wasn't it just like climate change propaganda? It, well, no, it wasn't just climate change propaganda. Dan. That's such a reductive opinion. So reductive. So reductive. It was no. It was actually like a fun sci-fi action romp. It was cute. It was yeah. about family. I liked the fatherhood. fatherhood. Message, yeah. Um, but the 
the the only climate change propaganda was sort of uh, like the spoiler alert like in case you you know don't want me to spoil the 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 origin story of the aliens but the 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 thing is the aliens came they crashed apparently in like the long long ago in the before time and they got frozen in like under the like uh, arctic tundra somewhere in russia or whatever and then like they tell you at the end like the reason they emerge is because you know global warming it caused you know like yeah. the ice to melt mm. and so the aliens came and i guess they're working with cnn i guess but <laughs> also what kind of annoyed me about the aliens is that they were look like zerglings well they look they they were basically this like zergling hydraless hybrid and for those of you who aren't familiar like with starcraft, starcraft yeah. which is a very was a very popular real-time strategy game it's one of the only games i was ever into to be honest um he's the gamer so if you're not familiar with that you're not gonna it's not gonna matter for you but basically like zerglings were these rather large dog-like creatures that would just swarm you in numbers and hydralisks could spit these spikes and the aliens themselves were called white spikes they're they're pretty much white aliens that were like these large sort of dog-like they're you know on the ground four-legged uh, quadrupedal critters I like how you're describing them so and then they <laughs> have <laughs> these tentacle things I'm sure people sort of... can watch the movie Brent <laughs> anyway so that I just thought it was a little weird. The only thing that I didn't like about it was that the it was just a little cliche, you know, a little, and they kind of sort of stole their. Well, Hollywood's running out of ideas. That's why they keep remaking stuff and rehashing old things and murdering our childhoods. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I I kind of liked it. It was fun, but I think I like the HBO um, HBO series more. And there's a lot more fun things on HBO, like the uh, the His Dark Material series. I really like that. That's cool. I, I have to finish it. The the acting is amazing. The 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 way that they sort of transition everything from the books into uh, the series is really good. The big problem with the sh- the movie that they did many many years ago, uh, which I wanted to like, but I just couldn't because they had they ended up destroying the story. Um, is that they they were able to really get at, like a lot of the plot points out on, into onto the screen. Yeah, well, there's more time. There's so more time. Obviously. Yeah, which is what you, you really yeah. need for something like it's that. It's cool. Go go watch it, guys. If you've ever checked out the book series, then you yes. might like it. Little, well, even little if you haven't. bits of culture um, and stuff. And I guess quick before we go, I also wanted to because I forgot I wanted to recommend Shannon Lee's book, <laughs> which I I did read. I read it last summer and I very much enjoyed it. Um, I recommend it. I think it's a beautiful homage to her father. And she hold it up to the camera so, so they can see it. Again, even though I had a little criticisms for Shannon. What's the and, title, Daniel, so they can hear you? And it's Be Water, My Friend, The Teachings of Bruce Lee. So uh-huh. it's a beautiful little book. Like I said, I found it very helpful, you know, at a time when, when I needed it. Actually, I think I read it last winter, not summer. But, yeah, again, I recommend that. And... I think that's it. I don't think we have anything else to talk about. All right. Thank you guys for listening. And don't forget to leave a like on this video if you're on YouTube. Yeah, Um, and share it. Share it around. That really, I mean, that really helps when you share. Uh, Leaving comments uh, on the the YouTube video or if you're on Spotify. I don't know if you can review it somehow. Maybe you can. I don't know how that works. (laughs) And obviously subscribe. But look, like we said earlier, the shadow banning thing is very real. Um, we're definitely on some kind of list. Yeah. Clearly, we're pissing people off, and they don't want us to gain if, exposure. If you're hearing this right now out there in in the land, and you're like not somebody who actually knows like Dan or myself in real life, it's pretty amazing. Like if we, yeah. if you're just like some person that's found this on the internet, yeah. it's it's just it's really amazing. You're cool. Like you're awesome. Whoever us. you are, like if you've never met us and you're actually watching wow, us, amazed. You get like a medal. If I had medals, I'd hang I'd hang it. 
on your neck for you like, um, go, go to your house and also you can go check out my other channel it's Brantley I do shorter videos there um, we're going to be probably I'm going to try to splice this up into clips so I'll put them up on my Twitter you can follow me there at CYRE2067 Dan is much more active on Instagram yeah I'm mostly on the Instagram where we have the the Dangerous Rhetoric page What's Brent's on Twitter more the Dangerous Rhetoric page is just at Dangerous Rhetoric and you can find my page at at Dan Delafay um, you know, I paint, I write, I'm an artist, so if you want to check out my art stuff, you can find that stuff on there. I have a website coming out soon, so I'll sell some paintings, and yeah, go buy my books. I write poetry, so, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, okay. thank you guys so much. Yeah. We'll be back again soon with another one. Love See ya. you. Bye-bye.